Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where I interview founders, entrepreneurs, executives, thought leaders, musicians, artists, you name it, all around the world of crypto and blockchain. And today I have an amazing guest. He comes to us from Ireland. His name is Owen Driscoll. He is the co-founder of True. Owen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're looking very forward well. to this. I'm looking forward to it too. In fascinating conversation, I believe. Uh, but let's start off with some some housekeeping, and the, and you have an interesting story, so I want to hear it. What is your background, and is it a logical background for what you're doing now? Um, if I was to tell you from a overview, you would probably say that doesn't make any sense. So I'll put a little bit of context into it and tell you how I got here, right? Um, so I'm, I'm what was what they say is a serial entrepreneur, not mad about the term, but long story short, left school quite young. I left school when I was 15. I was out in the workplace. Um, I did some traveling around Australia. I came home. I was involved in sales. I decided at a young age of 23, I was going to open my first Subway store, which is uh, Subway Eat Fresh, the, the global franchise, uh, at a ripe old age of 23. Um, so I found myself around 2007, around the time of the first financial crash, all in on this and uh long story short financial cash comes on it gets a little bit tough kept at it grew it into three locations as well as developing the first online uh, delivery system and an ordering system for grand oil at, or for subway uh at the time uh, and 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 so that 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 led me on to, to kind of being in that industry for about 11 years which is quite long from 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 there but um i suppose somewhere in between i i knew maybe this wasn't really for me um in, and for lots of different reasons that I, that I won't go into so I, I decided to go back and i studied horticultural science um specializing in pharmaceutical products in ireland uh and this this came kind of came from um i suppose wanting to expand into, into a newer better business that was some way green aligned um so i went back to college i studied horticultural science during that time i was uh i was asked to to to, to form a team to write a, a paper for um the importation of a pharmaceutical product into ireland so it needed to be a very uh, highly um written paper and it was going to go to the health product regulatory authority during this period, I was still in college, so I was doing, I was, you know, doing some work placement. I was uh, getting my hands dirty on site, going to, uh, going around to pharmaceutical production facilities that were producing raw materials, and I discovered blockchain through one of my partners at the time. This was around two thousand and fifteen, I would say, and you know, getting into blockchain, and uh, kind of loving it. You know, it was around the time of the dough. This could be fantastic. Everything would be smart contracts. So I went down a very deep rabbit hole on it, right? Now I took it from a very operate, and it's important. I took it from an operations point of view, and from subway recording, you know, all of this sort of stuff. Lots of governance, lots of manuals and books. So having immutable ledgers and transparency, and you combine that with moving pharmaceutical raw materials around the world, you start to see this need for a very strong operational procedure along with an immutable ledger. So this is border inspection points, and this is all sorts of things that we were considering around the immutability of, of it at the time and it was so early long story short down a rabbit hole with a eternity um a eternity blockchain and i somehow kind of got up up to speed on that enough where they would let me be a lead ambassador and that was kind of the real beginning of it so the the, the role really was to explain to people from my point of view from an operational point of view where the benefits of immutable ledgers and tech and, and blockchain technology 
and, and maybe utilizing real world oracles, um, mobile first interface to explain where this comes from. You no, know, um, and and the benefits of it. But, but at that time of the blockchain industry was very conceptual. It was all very new. I was doing um talks and stuff like that you know 10 15 20 people to try to you know uh get community and, and and that kind of thing but look what what eventually happened is i um went and did an accelerator in malta um specifically on blockchain and we were developing ways of digitizing real world assets we won that but due to covid it didn't uh, go ahead and that brings me to the current solution which is true and we got some support from the european uh or sorry from the irish government through new frontiers which allowed us to go into like an incubator develop the program over develop the cloud the, the product and the need for the product over kind of eight or nine months and that brings us i wouldn't say up to date but the background of so where 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 it where is uh where it comes from a lot of companies were affected by covid <laughs> so um i want to find out black swan event, we were told uh yeah i want to find out um what True and Plandale are all about, and then also I noticed you had a um, some recent note, uh, some recent news. There was a news announcement regarding you know uh, investing and in, and with you. Please share that that announcement was too. Yes, definitely, and, and it kind of leads into a bit of what we're about. So, Planned Oil has been funded and, and to, to date up a, up a grant. So we've done our first uh, pre seed round, and and that allowed us to. So as Planned Oil, so we built the company as Planned Oil, and it is important to mention that we're aiming to be a regulated platform. So you know, working way in the background and getting our first license, our first registration, which is a virtual asset service provider re registration in the in Italy under the Italy uh, regime, which allows us to handle virtual assets. It's a European, it's a European thing. Uh, which they, so that has brought us to the point where we're now about to get start priming and getting ready for main product launch, which means we started community building. Um, we felt that, and we, and you did you you named it there. You said Planned Oil and True, so we used to be called Planned Oil, and up until this week, we we were called Planned Oil, but now we're rebranding as True. And and there's a there's a, a good few reasons why, but one I think True is a much cleaner and nicer name, and it makes a lot more sense. Um, and Planned Oil is an old Irish word. So that's that's where that comes from, um. So yeah, it's we we raised a a, a pre seed round and and we are just a, we're going to be announcing some big news in terms of uh, community drive and things that community can get involved in within the next couple of weeks, and yeah, there's some more big news coming as well. So yeah, it's all go on that side at the minute. Awesome. So one of the things you guys do is called impact crowdfunding right yes i want to what that's all about and why we must make the economy and business climate around environmental change easy for people to meet support and collaborate and cooperate yep yep and, and it, it, look it kind of goes back to what 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 is true you know what is true and this this is you know one of the things that uh, certainly and you'll know this from crypto and blockchain right is that some of the things that we've done with crypto and blockchain have, have super charged some of the old structures that we know and then we're kind of using the old words to try to explain some of the new stuff for example ICO was a type of crowdfunding but you don't call it crowdfunding nobody would call it crowdfunding but it is a type of crowdfunding at the end of the day in ICO um but when people hear crowdfunding they think Kickstarter or old Thing type style systems, maybe maybe some of the equity style systems. 
for us, I suppose what 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 we see it as is a, is an investment platform, and the reason we call it an investment platform is because by combining the technology, combining European crowdfunding service provider regulations, and combining bigger regulations as we grow, we're leveling the playing field between retail and institutional investors. And this is really important because it's it's the important piece I think to the the transparency of the governance and where the direction of money is going in terms of making a real impact. So when we talk about impact. We're talking about companies that are focused on environmental, social and governance problems, but are doing it in a way that they can measure and capture recordable metrics and data points to prove their impact. So, for example, when we talk about impact, we would also say triple bottom line companies. So a company that's focused on people, planet and profit. And again, just to just to, you know, sometimes you would hear the term social impact. And, and again, there's this preloaded thought that that means that somebody's going to get a handout and or get it, not a handout, but get a grant or get a, a donation maybe and then spend that money within their local and make an impact. And that is that is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But we're also living in an age where there is really smart and clever technology that is circular in its development. It's, it, there's very little waste. It has a massive underground impact but it's profitable i mean we speak with lots of companies and i'm not saying that there's one catch-all you know but bio h2 companies that are managing to harvest from excess heat rather than having to go through a load of processes just to produce that hydrogen you know these kind of things that are capturing maybe waste points and capturing that energy or capturing that product and making a newer product the mycelium industry so that's that's like the industry that will um can, it's the roots on mushrooms basically but you can use it to replicate packaging right and you can make it into packaging rather than using polystyrene but yet that's a waste product you know it's a waste product that would completely replace a whole polystyrene industry but it's the waste from the food crop you know so again like this is super kind of circular type, type thinking and, and really impactful because there's a direct we've replaced polystyrene with something that's totally natural and biodegradable you know um, so what what our what our platform is is a way of impact investors curating like-minded founders that have have big big plans to to try to make people plan a profit inroads, uh, and they can invest and buy equity shares or representation of equity shares, and we're getting into like kind of technical legal in the background there, like the terminology there, but a representation of an equity share in that company. Um, why would you use technology for it? So Plant Oil is a digital asset platform where we connect real-world assets that we've digitized on blockchain. We have a self-sovereign identity network, which allows uh, people to store their verified credentials in a user-friendly and protected way. But for a company, it allows them to show their verified credentials to their investors in a protected way. We then tie that together with a decentralized database. In one instance, it'll be IPFS. That's like a triangle of digital governance, identities connected to assets connected to their ESG data. And this triangle of kind of transparency and governance, we believe is kind of some of the pieces that are lacking both in the fundraising industry and also in the environmental or impact ESG. All of these words have become very polarized because of all of the damage that people have done with greenwashing, you know? So um, there has to be a more transparent way to do this. What the platform then does is we provide a very simple user interface. And 
investors can participate in these rooms why equity shares have a say using on-chain governance of voting through the app and and the companies can have a way of managing those investors moving forward which is very different for the old crowdfunding structure i want to you said something that kind of yeah I, I you talked about icos <laughs> you know yeah. i was an ico advisor in 2017 yeah. and 18 i came from traditional insurance right so yeah. aig i work from aig everything stable everything structured then i immediately i go into crypto and immediately get to become an ico advisor so my way of thinking and looking at the world completely flipped right now we're doing talking about ESG investing with with a generation of people who are used to saying, "Oh, it's an environmental thing," you know, and can't make the connection between you know how they live day to day and what the real impact is for the environment, right? So, yep. you know, how do you? Where are you at compared to the ICOs, and how can people begin to think about how they should make how they can make an impact through this social investment? Yeah. Okay. So there's there's a couple of bits to it. Like, is one I was around and I participated in ICOs as well, and uh, so I can tell you from like from from the community and the way that felt at the time it was like you know we're 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 getting involved in something that's really new, really, really cool. And if it had fulfilled all the promises, right, that we're getting higher and bigger and bigger and bigger as as the ICO heydays were going on, Jesus, the world would be a different place. But none of it happened. Like most of it didn't happen, right? And a lot of it falls back to, a lot of it to me, right, falls back to all roads lead to governance at the end of the day, right? This stuff, all road leads to governance. I mean, what we, what, what kind of what the problem is, and I see it, I can see it from multiple points of view, because I can see it from a startup founder point of view as well, is that a startup founder is out and they're raising capital, which through an ICO, so that they can build their platform, they can provide that platform to their ICO purchasers. But, you know, best laid plans and all that, and things fell apart and they never set up a company and they went to some weird jurisdiction and they didn't know that they should have been regulated or they were doing all this kind of stuff. So yes, I know that maybe the industry as a whole won't like this, but regulation and, and, and not just adopting the old regulation, but working with regulators in Europe, we've got the marketing crypto assets coming and we've got VASP. So it's the virtual asset service provider, which allows us to kind of get a grasp on some of this stuff instead of just like letting them off. So I think there's joined up thinking between the regulators, between the innovators, and between the communities and investors. Because the problem is, is that the investors and communities are being burnt on by both sides, either ICOs or now they're saying that the banks are, aren't doing things right, institutions are greenwashing. So like there's somewhere in between, but a lot of the stuff boils back to the hierarchy of human needs as, as well. Like the investors are trying to better their lives, the founders are trying to build better products. And there's not a lot of joined up thinking. The regulators are saying, you really can't do this because that's over there. I know you've got new impact regulations as well, by the way, and sustainable financial directive regulations in play. So it's all it's all kind of connected and they merge into each other, you know. Um, to me, the, the beauty of the ICO was that there was liquidity. There was a fast flow of liquidity, right? You could, there was a fast flow of liquidity but that lacked with governance and recording. So that's why the regulators don't like it. So what we've done is we've made a hybrid model. We've, 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 we've made a hybrid model and we've worked and strived to, to, towards regulations for like two years. 
and and what we're going to do is we're going to make a platform that is in line with the neobank users and web two users. I don't like using these web two and web three words, but like if you try to frame it in your mind, the web two users that are used to neobanks and, and Revolut style platforms, and then the other side, the early adopters who are the web three community and, and they're used to using digital assets, they understand the social implications of owning your assets in such a unique way, private keys, self-custody. They understand that the governance they can have by owning those assets and having a vote. So we've tried to make a platform where you have all of these functions, but we've taken all the complexities of the blockchain layers out of it. And and, and that means that Web3 users and Web2 users should be able to use it. Like. There's definitely a bridge to pass uh, across. Um, and the regulator are happy because technically with a, with, with, VAST, with a virtual asset service provider, you're, you're allowed to sell tokens. So one of the big things was that one of the ICO days, there was nothing. There were like there is no regulation, and that's fine. It's it's fine when people say there is no regulation. This is not a regulated thing. But anybody who's working in digital assets or any of this sort of stuff should be aware that just because the regulator didn't regulate about it doesn't mean they're not aware of it. And it could also affect you if you want to become a regulated company. And the majority of companies dealing with some sort of digital assets will need some sort of regulation at some time, either to take payment, hold the custody whatever it may be but there's a lot of you no know, there's look, there's loads that isn't regulated but there's a lot of stuff a lot of stuff um that that would be considered to be regulated if such a regular you know that they are working on so you got to ask yourself the question um do you want to be on the wrong side of that once they write and dotted line this is no regulated let's talk about that regulation and I go back to greenwashing you said greenwashing how do we actively combat greenwashing practices? So um, it's just an interesting fun fact. Um, <clears throat> true is uh, there is a true there is a, a global initiative to try to prevent and um, fix greenwashing. Just to explain what greenwashing is um, for your for, for your audience, just so you know, greenwashing is is the practice of of companies publicly going out and saying that they're doing something which is environmentally, socially, and governance beneficial. And then not really doing anything. You know, it could be a case or, or they can make specific claims that they're doing something and they might not do it. Or or they might fudge the truth and you might find that it's just kind of putting a bit of a green spin on them. But where a lot of this comes across is when you start looking at financial reports, you should see evidence of this. So interestingly, there is a global financial innovation network, and that is the World Bank and 13 world regulators uh, have put together the first global collaboration to try to address greenwashing and interestingly true was selected out of 10 companies some of there's some of the companies in it are it won't are are, are global companies uh, and, and so it's a bit of an honor for us to be accepted into this what we've done is we've partnered with monster technology university in in cork here and their artificial intelligence unit and what we've done is we've made a sentiment analysis tool which can go and check twitter and public available data about what companies are claiming. So we've trained it to understand what a green claim is. And then we've designed it so we can feed it that company's annual report and see if they can actually find anything, any reference in it. And what this can do is that can actually help you categorize the risk of who might be greenwashing and who's not. For example, company A has made a claim 
And within their financial reports, they have lots of reference to it. They have lots of third-party reference to it, scientific reference, and they have calculations to back up their claim within their financial report and their annual reports. Company B has said, oh, we're going to do something out here and made a claim, and there's a loose reference to it within their reports. Can't really categorize it. And then Company C has like, said something, and you can't find any reference to it at all. Like The chances that company is greenwashing is very, very high, you know? So this is just a kind of, because we've got so much data in the world, we've got so much information. So this is a way that we would manage some of the credentials that we spoke about first, is, you know, the the um, the identity, the assets, and the ESG data. This is managed by this type of AI tool. Now, interestingly, we're in this global financial innovation network, and I'll send you a video on a minute. We don't speak about this as an oracle, but in blockchain, we call this a real-world oracle. Because it's handling and dealing with real no, we call it I call it a real world oracle. And again, I, I might speak to what I think about some of the Oracle tools and that they do check a lot of already immutable data. So for example, you'd see a lot of Oracle checkers check blockchains. And um that's great. You know, there's there's a need for that. But <clears throat> Oracles, real world oracles could be built in a way where they're provided by a professional service and the data is verified and fed onto a system. And that to me is much more powerful in, in a digitized world. Like in a world where we're moving and you've got minimal trust anchors. I always wear a trustless systems t-shirt, like, you know, we're making trustless systems. Realistically, you know, if you can have trust anchors, then you can protect the data in a way using zero knowledge proofs. You know, you can start moving into something that's a bit more decentralized, but verified. Um, that's where we're, that's the kind of space we're in. I never considered that oracles could be helpful in solving traditional financial reporting. Not um, just traditional financial reporting. They could be used for everything. If you imagine you're a quantitative, uh, quantity surveyor, right? If you're a quantity surveyor working on a massive building and you could act as a professional service with an oracle, you could provide that data afterwards should the building burn down. You, you know, there's loads of professional services. If they looked at this in a way, providing it as a service as somebody who can sit between the real world and the chain and be the oracle they might don't have to be the only one it could be consensus you could have three engineers doing it right but now you're starting to kind of go well no we've got real world data fed in verified should something go wrong now the immutability becomes valuable you know now we're not just checking it for the sake of checking it you know interesting hmm okay um Learn something Sorry, new every great. <laughs> this is great. Um, let me just shift gears just a little bit. Okay, let's look at some of the you know United Nations Sustainable Goal Initiatives. Right, um, when it comes to environment, you know, what are some of the current challenges? And um, I don't want to go into the rabbit holes of each, but I would want to touch on some things. Uh, what do you see as some of the current challenges, and how are you working to help solve them? Yeah, so. I think that they're, they're, they go hand in hand. One of the big things with the UN SDGs is is there's a lot of sometimes not all the time, but there's a lot of capital requirement. And I suppose from a from a practical point of view, one of the things that we've spotted is that um, companies that are new, innovative, coming into the market as in, an inverted commas call themselves an impact company, they've usually decided to call themselves an impact company because of their scientific method that they're going to achieve their goal, right? Um, and, and one thing that we would 
I suppose see in terms of let's say the UN SDGs like transparency is a big thing food production the, the transfer like the transparency of food production and one of the problems within ecosystems I suppose for example somebody who is uh, producing food aimed at one of these goals one of these sustainability goals they know need to be fully aware of their up and down chain value so for example it can't be an organic or you know i can't be um working specifically on one of these goals if i'm taking product from somebody who's completely ignoring me so if i need a packaging material and i'm working in line with these goals like it would be insane for me to just go to anybody and and with no vision or thinking about what they're doing and how they're producing it right because i could be just doing multiple damages because i'm not thinking about the implications up and downstream for example i've 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 produced a a a, a fruit that needs an independent wrapper that wrapper is plastic like i may as well be wasting wasting my time you know so there is this joined up thinking is required in terms of the product chain where does it go what's it being used for where how do i produce it is everything that i'm using to produce it being done correctly so when companies are thinking about raising funds to tackle one of these problems they need the type of governance and transparency that planned oil can provide but they also need multiple actors that they can trust and that's the end goal for Planned Oil is that it's an ecosystem play, that companies can come to Planned Oil, but our technology will connect them afterwards. So that's allowing them to move verified credentials between operators. So that's, some, one point. Sorry, that's how Planned Oil is thinking about it. <laughs> sorry, I got another rabbit hole on that one. But I suppose the way, in, in terms of like the overarching thing, what we do need to be doing from my point of view and i think it comes back again a little bit to technology and maybe generational technology is that what you'd see a lot of the time with new innovations coming through certainly through horticulture and agriculture is that they're really thinking about um the waste yeah one of the one of the um one of the un goals is to how do we is is to reverse biodiversity loss right yeah and that's some projects they have some investments in that arena and i wanted to find out like going at this a little bit further how do you see that us being able to do that by using blockchain technology in your platform um so i think it's i think it's a bit of both right i don't think it's i don't think blockchain is the solution to it right but i think what the solution the solution is adapting technology to be able to to handle this sort of stuff so for let's speak about biodiversity for a second right um so what you will see is that companies will often, or, or sorry, you, you'll often see projects that will say, we're going to plant X amount of trees and that X amount of trees is going to capture X amount of carbon or it's going to, you know, it's, it, it will, yeah, carbon trees, they're done, I'm done. You know, if a field, we will put some trees in it, it's going to be carbon benefit for it. There's a few problems that people obviously talk about and then obviously don't talk about so one thing is that in in those systems companies will often future sell the carbon capture of that so legally they're allowed to bundle up that carbon and sell it into the future and and all right so now we start thinking straight away from a kind of hard because from a science point of view right there could be some issues here but like like all right are the trees local a lot of the time people will pick a plant or product 
that is uh, we grow fast but haven't taken in the local environment for example we grow in Ireland uh, Scandinavian pine spruce and uh, that has replaced our natural ecosystems of oak now yes they grow much faster and it is fantastic and yeah they do carbon but they've completely destroyed the biodiversity and local ecosystems that exist here so when you're thinking about like um impact and verified credentials and UN SDGs. There's over four and a half thousand hittable points and metrics now within the UN SDGs. So if you were to think, yes, we've got 16, 17 overarching, you start boiling them down and start looking at the different credentials, that gets into about four and a half thousand. So now the old system, carbon equals whatever. What we see a new system, and especially when you start thinking about biodiversity, if you were to imagine that you've got a blank field and you want to replace that blank field, which is biodiversity, biodiversity is getting that ecosystem back up with all of the pieces that it needs to operate on its own. And people will often think like trees, and that's fine, but like grasses, there's probably no, like there's not one type of grass, but below that you have your microorganisms, your myceliums, you have your specific insects, you know, and then you've got all of these natural things that happen within plants is called companion planting that you'll find plants will grow next to each other better because one will be an insectus natural insecticide to the other this is this is biodiversity right and and this is what we're moving into is a future of biodiversity score because it's so complex you need complex tech or sorry you need technology that can record and track and manage lots of minuscule bits of data to make sure that this has been done appropriately so that's it's kind of one of the ways you could look at it we look at it in another way is that you can't boil the ocean and and the guys that are doing a good mission and they're on a good mission they're usually trying to capture some of this stuff we're trying to provide a, a framework and match them with a framework for them to manage it and match them with investors so they can actually do it got it you know i grew up thinking that the environment was a subscure thing you know, then I went to college. I'd learn, I learned one of my minors in college was geology and I got more interested in it, you know. Um, but a lot of people still think, you know, from the older generations that this the environment is like there's no global warming because it's cold in the winter, you know, or there's no yeah. global because it's hot in the summer. Right. But then you said blockchain technology is this generational technology. Right. So how do we begin to educate people who are pretty ignorant? you know, about the UN development goals and about what you're doing and about how this generational technology does make a difference and have an impact and how we can help. Um, I think there's two, there's two, there's probably three parts of that equation. Um, one is that you've got this generate new generation coming up, right? And we know that millennials or whatever, Generation Z or whatever, 90% of my network individuals in that category want to invest in something that's in line with their goals and our goals are socially and environmentally oriented like because we're living in a very messed up world we have got people that whether they like to admit it on the far side in institutions are fully aware of this and and are probably saying nothing if you look at some of the um we'd be very plugged into this but like there is a, a global regulation sfdr which means that all institutions are no culpable if they ever said they had anything green on their books or have a green fund 
they now need to prove that they haven't been greenwashing. So you can check if you if you you can kind of Google there and you'll see that maybe two or three really really large banks this year have been raided by big teams of people and they've taken their stuff because they're greenwashing. And these are very reputable banks and institutions. So this is a global regulation, and you see in the UK, I won't quote the number, but it's over fifty percent of their assets could be have a problem with this in green funds. Over fifty percent of those funds. So you've got the, the bankers and the institutions that have been investing scary amounts of money into green initiatives and green companies and, and these kind of things. You've got green bonds and all these kind of things. So they're super aware of it. And you've got the people who, who want to see more of a change, but they can see that the other end is, in, is still in control of it. And then you've got somewhere in between where they've been battered with lots of propaganda, lots of basically lobbying either from one side or the other. And, and 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 nobody knows what's right or what's some what's in the middle. And like we're old enough, Jamil, to know and, and to know historically of, of advertising campaigns around food, nutrition, that was government sponsored, that was totally wrong. So you can kind of see why people would have a bad taste in their mouth. You know what I mean? Like with certain things and a lack of trust in certain ways. And again, I think the only way to get through it is transparency. You said propaganda. <laughs> and earlier you said trust anchors. How can these trust anchors defeat the propaganda and have people trust the technology and trust, you know, into what they're doing is making an impact? I think there's I think there's a I think there's a maybe a um I think there's a new way that we're gonna build technology. I don't think it, I, I think I think there's I think there's two things going on. I think the 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 smart guys who are who are you know ahead of this like the W three consortium these kind of guys um who are building the standards of the new internet that are building the standards of the new technology are building a lot of this in mind, and and again like maybe some of it just kind of fits in places, but like some of the reasoning for using decentralized databases is because we can't keep building massive ones, you know, and centralized databases aren't necessarily going to be the the future, and we were in an energy crisis, all sorts of things. Um, anonymity on the internet has caused an awful lot of problems. Um, but the problem is then the data risk on the flip side if you give away all that anonymity. So I think we're somewhere in between. I mean, our, our take on it is that we need self-sovereign identities um, where they have been verified by independent trust anchors and their credentials are given back to me because they're mine. And it, I can I can opt in to show that those verification points without relieving, revealing any of my data you know, because it's not needed. Um, and I can then participate. Um, and, and I think thinking about it like this, like that we're really going to shape a new future, but maybe we even need to shape new technology to do it. You know, then it starts becoming, I won't say attainable, but it's like eating an elephant one bite at a time. You know, it's like, you know, we're getting there. <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to eat an elephant in one sitting. <laughs> but, um, Give me a hand. <laughs> I I do want to thank you very much today for this amazing conversation. I enjoyed speaking with you, and I have one last question. It's uh, and and thank you again. Thank you very much. It's like I like when I learn new things. <laughs> so, um, sorry if I go down rabbit holes. Like I'm 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 yeah. Go on, keep keep going. My apologies. I'm actually soft recording. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm good. 
So my last question is an easy one. It's how can people find out more information about you, about, you know, True, about what you're doing, what you're up to? Yeah. So True has got some huge news coming and we're like, we're, we're basically running out like a super user uh, thing in the next couple of, couple of weeks and months. So if they could go to True.io, if they could follow us on Twitter, um, it would be it would be amazing. And if you know, always feel free to reach out to me directly. You'd find me on O'Driscoll at LinkedIn or you true.io or you get uh the, the team on Twitter. But a like and a share will go a long way and, and keep up for the new news that's coming quickly. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it.